0: To each of you guys, uh, we're excited to see what God has in this next season of your life. So last week we started a new series, and we were talking about what God would do in my generation, in your generation. Psalm 145: Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. We just prayed to this a moment ago. His greatness, no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts, and so over these next several weeks, that's really what we're all about. I'm excited for today as we have the opportunity. I don't usually get to preach to our whole church family in one sitting because we have different services. and so thank you for being a part of our service today, whether you're here on the lawn or joining us from home or even in the sanctuary, we're excited to see what God is doing. Oh, in the car people, I did hear some horns honking earlier, right? So those of you that are joining us from your car, that's wonderful as well. Today is also. Uh, the day that we celebrate Pentecost. Uh, The one thing that really has kept the the church united throughout the generations is that we are not just a, a gathering of people doing what we think is best. We are folks who are filled with the Spirit of God. And so may it be in this generation as it has been, and may it forever be that the Spirit of Christ indwells His church. And he is doing that even now. So today we're celebrating a lot of things. Uh, we're looking forward to having some, some fellowship time after the service. We're going to be doing some baptisms, which is why we've moved outside today. So at the end of the service, there's going to be a lot of things to celebrate. So I was I was sort of intrigued by this news story recently, especially thinking about our graduating high school seniors or college folks. I don't know if you know this, but due to supply chain issues, uh, COVID issues, things like that, there is a national shortage of uh, commencement gowns and caps, did you know that? Did anybody have trouble actually that uh, that was graduating finding that? And I thought, my goodness, if the education process over the last three years has not felt disrupted enough for our students to actually get to graduation and say you gotta, literally they had stories of, of commencement classes that were coming off the stage and handing caps to the next person that had to go on as they shared. So just in case your education did not feel disrupted enough. Last week as we began this uh, series on what God would do in our generation, in my generation, in, in each of our generations, we talked about your greatest calling at any age of life, the greatest achievement to which you can attain, the greatest pursuit you can dedicate your life is the glory of God. And that God has given us an incredible opportunity to live out the heart of this passage. Every generation commending your work to another, the telling of his mighty acts. God has given us such a beautiful opportunity for us to do this here. And you only need to look around, and it won't take you too long to see somebody that's not in your generation, not in your age bracket. So you're gonna see folks that are older than you, some folks that are younger than you, and we're celebrating that in a special way. May God be glorified In my generation. And if it is all about God's glory, we don't become conceited about the things that He has done in my generation. If it's all for God's glory, we don't feel threatened by the good things that He's going to do in the coming generations. There's different things there's new wineskins, there's new seasons, new kingdom advances. And so, by God's grace, We want to celebrate all of that. May God be glorified in my generation. That's kind of where we left things last week. Today I want you to read with me in Deuteronomy chapter four. If you have your Bible or a smartphone, you can flip over there. Uh, Deuteronomy chapter four, and this is where Moses is imparting a blessing to God's people, and it's really profound in some pretty special ways. So I wanna just read through a handful of these verses with you in the spirit of this message today as we talk about what does it mean to bless the next generation. So in Deuteronomy chapter four, the the chapter actually begins with Moses saying, hear the decrees and the laws I'm about to teach you. Follow them so that your life may go in, so that you may live and may go in and take possession of the land of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. He's giving this to you. And then he begins to say this in verse five. He says, See, I have taught you decrees and the laws as the Lord my God commanded me, so that you may follow them in the land that you are entering to take possession of it. Observe them carefully, for this will show your wisdom and understanding to the nations who will hear about all these decrees and say, surely this great nation is a wise and understanding people. What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us whenever we pray to him? And what other nation is so great as to have such righteous decrees and laws as this body of laws I am setting before you Today May God add blessing to the reading of his word. Keep your finger there in Deuteronomy chapter four. We're gonna come back to that passage, read another chunk of it here in a few moments. But I hear Moses and I, and I hear his heart for God's people as he's saying remember, honor, obey. And there's a sweetness, a bitter sweetness to this scene. I don't know if you know sort of the backstory to what's happening here. But it's sweet because after 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, the the people of God are finally going into the promised land so that all that God has been doing to deliver them, to instruct them in holiness, to correct them in their failings, all of this about holiness and worship and, and what it is to approach him, all of this has led them to a new season and the threshold of a new beginning. I don't know how you're wired, but there is something in me that anytime I come to the threshold of a new beginning, my heart gets a little bit excited. What, what is God gonna do in this new season? What is God gonna do in this new season of the year? What is God gonna do in this new phase of life? And so my heart starts to get a little bit excited when I think about the blank canvases that God has yet to fill in your life and mine. Now last night, I was up in the kitchen of our house, I don't remember what I was doing, but I kept hearing my wife who was downstairs, and she was like giggling about something. And I finally was like, what are you laughing about down there? What-, what is going on? And she says, you have to get down here, you just have to see this. And so uh, the boys and I, we all, we all come downstairs, and my wife is watching TV, uh, Bob Ross, The Joy of Painting. How many of you are familiar with with Bob Ross? His hair looks like a happy tree. And if you don't know him, you need to to check it out. But if you ever want to see something go from a a blank canvas to something that just you, you just can't quite figure where he's going, especially those of us who are not deeply artistically inclined like myself, it's like you're messing this thing up. And then all of a sudden it just sort of becomes something beautiful that that you just couldn't quite see before. There's something about that fresh canvas experience. And so there's a sweetness to this passage. Something new is about to happen, a new thing. But there's a bitterness to this passage as well because Moses has just heard from God he's not going in to the promised land. So even though it's been his life's journey, and even though it's been his call to leadership to bring these people out of slavery and toward the promised land, he will now be able to look at it and see where they're going, but his time of leadership is coming to an end. And you can read about it in Deuteronomy chapter 3. You can hear him saying, I I pleaded with the Lord. I mean, this was not a light and easy thing. This was just as easy news for him to say, okay, that's good. Just hand it off to the next person. This was hard. It was difficult, he felt it was emotional. He could feel it, he says, I pleaded with the Lord, and the Lord actually had to say to him, stop asking. It's not going to be you leading the people in. So this moment is bittersweet. Now I would suggest to you today that if the goal in Moses' life was ultimately the glory of Moses, this would be absolutely devastating news. But if the goal is the glory of God, then we deal even with our own limitations. The fact of the matter is, church, that the baton is going to be passed. Someone else will be prepared to run if, by God's grace, we do our job well. And so we don't resist the next generation. We don't resist the work of God. In fact, we need, as I'm gonna suggest to us today, we need to pray for it. We need to affirm it and we need to celebrate it. I want you to see just a couple of things uh, that Moses draws us our attention to. In verse six, he talks about the wisdom of the people, and then we see the witness, and then finally this legacy. So I just wanna talk on those three points relatively quickly. First of all, your wisdom. So he's gathered the the people together that he loves so dearly and he's led so fiercely. And he's gathered them together to say, Listen, as you go, you are now going to go into an area that I'm not going to be leading you anymore. But as you do that, I want you to remember. I want you to remember the things that God has taught you, for this will show your wisdom and your understanding. What he was doing was he was giving them a roadmap for life. And any of us that have been called to the, the calling of parenthood or grandparenthood, what we're trying to do in the next generation, Any of us that coach, any of us that mentor, any of us that invest in the next generation, what are we trying to do? We're trying to give a roadmap for life. What does it mean for the next generation to pursue success? And our job, those of us who are older, is to bless and to guide and to correct and to invest intentionally so that they can carry on. If the one thing maybe you take from this message is this, that we wanna be a church that invests intentionally in the next generation. And if you look around this group in front of you, you actually see the fruit of those investments by the actions that we have taken to be deliberate, and even the actions we take today are a deliberate investment in the next generation. We want the next generation to thrive in the name of Jesus. Can anybody say amen to that? It's our heart but we got to engage our brain, we've got to engage our action to say we want to be intentional. This whole notion of blessing and guiding and correcting, investing, all of this is kind of tough because it requires us to exercise wisdom as well. We have to know what battles to pick. And any of you that have had the journey of parenting directly, you know that that's almost a, a daily thing. How do we pick the battles that we're going to fight as we do these different things? I had this This bizarre experience when our oldest son, Grant, was about two years old. Um, We had the, the president of the denomination was coming to visit. So Amy and I were working on campus with ACF, which is our campus ministry and so our, our, the president of the denomination was actually coming to visit us at Penn State, and so our district superintendent came as well, so you kind of have this like entourage of higher ups. You know, when my boss's boss and his boss are sort of showing up sort of thing, you wanna put out a, a fairly good foot forward, right? You, know, wanna, you wanna do, do as good, jo- good a job as you can. And so I'm welcoming some of these distinguished guests to our campus ministry and showing them around the hub at Penn State and the various things that we do. And while I'm in the middle of doing that, Amy arrived with little Grant in tow. He's about two years old. And he came running over to me. And Daddy and he, I picked him up, I scooped him up in his pride and joy, you know, as a, as a proud father. And so I'm holding him and I say to, to Grant, I say, son, I wanna I want introduce you uh, to some people, some, some really important people doing some really great work, and I, I begin to introduce these distinguished guests to them, and Grant says, no, and he smacked me in the face. <laughs> I was so disoriented because he, he was never, you know, he never did that. I mean, it was just a totally new ground, and I don't know if any of you have walked this weird line of parenting, but suddenly your own parenting is now put on full display, and I, f- I suddenly became deeply self-conscious about how do I respond because if I'm overly harsh with him, I look like a very harsh parent. Well, no wonder the kid's a wreck, you know? You're a harsh dad. And if I say nothing, it's almost worse. Like, oh, this is normal for you. To have your child deck you in the face. <laughs> so I just said, well, that was kind of weird and sort of put him down, please don't do that. And, you know, <laughs> go find your mother. <laughs> But you got to sort of pick your battles and what you fix and what you correct and when and why you do it. You know, because there's a big temptation, especially for us as parents, that we want our kids to have a, a modicum of good behavior and stuff because ultimately it makes us look good as parents. And that's actually not the best motivation for shepherding their heart. So we need Wisdom. And, and Moses basically is saying, if you learn to follow these things that you've learned, that, that I've, I've done my best to teach you, to impart to you, and, and then set you loose with them, if you do that, you're going to show wisdom. And then not only that, but then that wisdom becomes your witness. This is really fascinating. He says, you're going to show wisdom and understanding to the other nations, who will hear about these decrees and say surely this great nation is wise understanding people. Verse seven goes on to say what other nation nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way our Lord God is near us whenever we pray to him. It causes me to think as as I think about what is the witness in your generation? What does God's work and witness look like for you and what will it look like in the coming generations when you look at history you see that there's various seasons we call the great awakenings back in the 1700s in the late 18th century in the 1850s to 1900s the first second and third great awakening these were seasons where the move of God and the spirit of God stirring among the people of God in such a way that the nation took notice that the world took notice and these were seasons of, of deep uh, spiritual interest and deep repentance. The, the work of heightened awareness of God's presence and the rekindling of faith and worship. But it strikes me that when you think about the great awakenings of God, and as we pray for revival in this and in the next generations, we recognize that each of these seasons had different leaders and they were addressing different cultural issues, but they all focused on the glory of God in that generation. And we see that the world is changed when God revives it. And so it is good for us and healthy for us to pray, what is God's work and witness in this next generation going to look like? And the fact of the matter is we don't fully know, but we pray with anticipation and we pray with confidence And we pray with boldness that he will move. If you look back in Deuteronomy 4, I want to just look at this last little piece of your legacy. Such a vital thing. So we got Moses, this bittersweet engagement with him. He's sending them. He's not going to go, but he's sending them forward, asking them to walk in obedience, asking them to expect the work and the move of God in this next season. And then we see this legacy Deuteronomy 4 goes on to read in verse 9, be careful, watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things that your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. Remember the day that you stood before the Lord your God. So he goes on to say, remember this time when, when I called you together When God told me to assemble you and said, remember, honor, and obey. Remember what God did at the mountain when it blazed with fire. That was the encounter with God. Remember the words that God spoke to you when God speaks. What he declared to you in his covenant, the 10 commandments, which he declared for you to follow. And then verse 14 says this. And the Lord directed me at that time to teach you the decrees and the laws that you are to follow in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess. So I just don't want you to miss this legacy piece because essentially what what Moses began, he said, I'm gonna pass on to you what I will not be able to remind you of because my time is coming to an end. But then I'm asking you to remember and remember what God said, and remember the encounters, and remember what God spoke to you so that you can pass them on to your children. What Moses is doing now in Deuteronomy 4, he's calling the people to do later to continue to pass this on, and that is a declaration of what God has done, and it is also an affirmation of what God is doing and what God is going to do. So I'd like to just conclude with this this thought, especially for any of us that are in counting yourself in sort of that older generation. You know, you you got somebody coming up behind you. And that's actually a great deal of us here today. I want you to be challenged with this thought. What would the church look like if we are intentional about affirming and praying for That's an act of your volition. That's something you either do or you don't do, right? You affirm, you pray for, and you celebrate the fresh encounter with God in every generation, including those that come after you. You see, in many ways, it removes a lot of the complexity from all of the challenges of intergenerational ministry and church life, and what does it actually mean? We're gonna talk more about that next week, but, but it removes a lot of that complexity when we say we are going to affirm and pray for and celebrate a fresh encounter with God in every generation. That is what we are about. Today, we actually have a beautiful opportunity to celebrate that. And so I'm going to invite all of our folks, kids, adults, parents, people who are involved in our baptism service, our dunkers, we've got several of us that are going to be doing some dunking today. Uh, This is an opportunity for us to affirm throughout the generations the work of God, to pray for them. So I'm gonna invite these these wonderful people to come up. I'm gonna hand the mic back over to Jill, who's gonna introduce you. If you need to move around a little bit, especially parents or family members, if you've got some folks that are getting baptized today, you can do that a little bit, but we've got some people who are gonna be taking some good pictures, and so we'll be able to capture some of those moments. But I wanna just tell you how excited we are to see the work that God is doing. Many of our folks getting baptized today are in the younger generations. You know, this is a way for us to pray for and affirm the, the work of Jesus, but they don't get a junior varsity Holy Spirit. And we're excited to see what God is gonna do on this Pentecost day as they follow him in, uh, in baptism. And so I'm gonna turn it over to Jill who is gonna give some introductions. Um, I think I would like to just say a prayer. Could I do that to just conclude? And church, would you uh, join me as we pray together and then we'll, uh, we'll introduce these fine folks to you. So Jesus, we're grateful that you have shown us what it looks like to impart a legacy. And we want to be intentional about doing that, God. And so Lord, we just acknowledge that for each of us that are here, if we can just take hold of that a little bit and say, God, we affirm, we pray for, and we celebrate a fresh encounter with you in every generation. So, Lord, let that be our heart cry. We give you all the praise. We love you, and we are thankful that you are not done building your church. In Jesus' name we pray, and all God's people said.